You always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. That's right. Welcome to the Press Zone right here at Rocket Sports Radio. We're so glad you're here with us today. Believe it or not, it is, as I am uh, fondly calling it today, it is Hockey Eve as we are getting set to return to play officially tomorrow around the NHL. And so we're glad you're here with us today on the Press Zone. Welcome. I am your host, Amy Johnson. I'm the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm joined each and every week by my fabulous co-host, who is also not only the founder of Rocket Sports Media, but our editor-in-chief as well, and that would be Rick Stevens. Happy Hockey Eve. Oh, well, happy Hockey Eve to you <laughs> as well. It's uh, it's hard to believe we're here, but it, it was we're here. It was tough sledding, but <laughs> we're here. We are here, and uh, we're glad you're with us today. Yes, you did remember correctly that we are on the air a day early this week as a special preview for tomorrow's first exhibition games. Uh, we know that everyone will be glued to their televisions tomorrow. We didn't want you to have to try to squeeze in listening to the press zone, although I know you would have made that a priority. Of course. But we didn't want to pack your schedule too much for our typical Tuesday broadcast. So here we are on a Monday, and boy, do we have a stacked show for you today. This one's going down. We've got like the all-star panel today. Not only uh, Rick and I are going to talk about uh, the Canadians and the Flyers um, and their return to play starting this week, but we've got not one, not two, but three special guest interviews mm. today. It's amazing. Uh, in the first set, and in fact, we're gonna we're gonna shake the segments up a little bit, a little differently than we normally do, just for this special uh, preview, return to play preview episode. So, in the first segment, we're gonna concentrate on the Montreal Canadiens. Don't worry, Flyers fans, don't go anywhere. We've got we've got some great stuff coming up for you in the second segment. But in the first segment, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the final roster that the Canadians did decide on to take to the Toronto Hub City. Um, and uh, also talk a little bit, just briefly, about how safe those hub cities are. How safe is it inside those bubbles? Uh, now that the players have been there for about 24 hours, uh, some interesting things starting to to come out uh, and around the sports world in general in relation to safety uh, during any kind of professional sports return to play. Then we've got two great interviews for you lined up uh Two gentlemen from uh, the Montreal media who were gracious enough with their time on a very busy day today, and that would be Douglas Gallivan from uh, CBC Montreal and J.F. Chamont from Journal de Montréal. Uh, so they will both be joining us in the first segment as well to talk about their perspective of what the Habs are looking like heading into this week. 
On the flip side of that, in the second segment, we're gonna it's it's all about the orange and black. The Philadelphia Flyers. We're going to not only uh, talk about again the roster they decided to take to Toronto, who was included on it, who wasn't. Uh, also, want to talk a little bit about a new initiative that the Flyers announced today for the community, which I think is pretty remarkable. Before we then bring on our third special guest for today's show, uh, Flyers fans, uh, you'll be very familiar with Anthony Mingioni uh, from Center Ice Philly Magazine, and of course, uh, one of the co-hosts of Off the Post Radio. Uh, he's joining us today for a fantastic interview talking about uh, the Flyers training camp and and their their outlook going into this week's return to play. Uh, And so then finally, in our third segment, we go uh, around the AHL and beyond, kind of we're we're packing everything else into the third segment. We're going to pay tribute to uh, a hockey icon we lost this week. Uh, In addition, uh, give a nod to something that the Edmonton Oilers did this weekend, which was very touching. Uh, before we talk a little bit about media access inside the bubble and and how this is going to be a very different um, outlook for journalists and and the kind of news and reporting that you're going to get from from us and from from the the other mainstream folks and so forth. Uh, so that's that's going to be an interesting segment that you're going to want to. Uh, tune in for, stick around for. And of course, we've got a lot of coverage on the print side this week here at Rocket Sports Media, whether it's social media or uh, on the website. And so we're going to outline exactly what you can expect from our coverage this week and where to find it. And uh, as we all gear up for the return of hockey. I'm just, uh, I, I was glad for, for you to explain that to uh, our listeners. And, and I was just having a few sips on um, National Scotch Day. What? Yeah. Did you, br- did, I feel like I ask this every week. Did you bring enough for the rest of the class? No, no, I, I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay. Well, put this down on the record that I will be. Um, but I'll tell you what, you can celebrate. It's also National New Jersey Day. and Nobody um, celebrates that. Sorry. You're in the proximity, aren't you? You're- I am. I'm, thir- I'm about a 30 minute drive from the New Jersey border. And that is anyone, any one of our Flyers fans, listeners who are Jerseyites, who are Jersey residents, know that there is always a fond back and forth between Jersey and PA. So, all due respect, but National New Jersey Day, really? Mm-hmm. Unless it's National New Jersey Day, like for sports like fans, like buy a New Jersey. Yeah, hmm. I'm. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm sticking with National Scotch. I was going to say. I think I'll just go for the Scotch. Thanks very much. <laughs> Well, let's get right to it in our first segment. Again, Flyers fans, uh, we've got some, you, you'll you be interested in some of this uh, information out of, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens segment. And then believe me, our second segment is one you don't want to miss. We've got uh, some great information and a great interview coming up for you in the second segment. But first, for our Habs fans, listeners, Rick, let's let's first talk about the roster that Claude Julien, Marc Bargevin decided to go with uh, heading into Toronto, I think, um, the disappointment seeing Josh Brook not make the cut. Two, um, two of the players from the uh, training camp, uh, Laurent Dauphin, um, who spent the, the season, or part of the season after he came over um, from the Predators, um, uh, with, the, uh, with the Laval Rocket, uh, and uh, Josh Brook, a fellow uh, Rocket, uh, they did not continue on to Toronto. Uh, they were cut from the roster. Mm-hmm. And um, 
one addition to the roster, uh, to the training camp roster, that is, uh, Alexander, Alexander Romanov. Of course, he landed a few days earlier uh, in Toronto and was, uh, was waiting for the team. Actually, he's in quarantine and, and has not joined the, uh, the team yet, but, but he'll be part of that, that roster. Um, the fan, well, um, that shouldn't be a surprise. I no. mean, um, a hard worker, but, uh, you know, skating, not at the NHL level. Josh Brooke, that one is, that one's a, a little different because, uh, Mark Bergevin was willing to, um, uh, add a defenseman who will not play, mm-hmm. um, rather than Josh Brooke. And, uh, given the, you know, the, the dog's breakfast, that is the Montreal Canadiens defense. <laughs> um, it's it's got to be a disappointment for uh, Josh Brooke. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I, I and in fact, uh, Doug Elevan's going to get into that a bit with us during his interview here in a few minutes as well. Um, it, it's, it's a disappointment for sure for Josh Brooke. Uh, he certainly deserved uh, to be there and, and um, it'll be, it's it's never easy, especially for a young prospect. You know, it's these kinds of things. We've talked about this in years past with decisions that the Canadians have made regarding the goaltending situation, the backup goaltending situation. It's decisions like these that send not so great signals to your prospects as to where they stack up in the priority uh, within the organization. So um, Hopefully Josh Brooke has a good support system and and can just kind of uh, find a way to keep his chin up and and just keep working as hard as he has uh, and as hard as he did in training camp. Um, and the other message sending, if if you're t- uh, putting it that way, uh, for younger players, certainly Suzuki and Kakinami are expected to be uh, integral yes. parts of of this uh, return to play. Um, uh, team, but um, Jake Evans, Ryan Paling, um, uh, Flurry, um, uh, Juleson, mm-hmm. those players are kind of, uh, they're the extras right now. They're on the outside looking in as uh, Claude Julien has assembled um, well, a more of a, a veteran lineup. Absolutely. Uh, it will be Curious to see, uh, you know, word has it that he's going to, you know, take a good hard look at, at uh, and, and play around with some things during tomorrow's exhibition game. Um, and so I think it'll likely be more for line placement as opposed to, you know, Ken Paling or, uh, or Flurry or one of those guys replace someone who's likely to be in the lineup. I, I doubt it'll, it'll, It'll turn out that way, but Claude Julian says that he's not going to announce. You know, he won't announce his his opening roster until until Wednesday, I believe. So we'll have to wait to see how all of that shakes out. The one thing that we're not going to have to wait too long to see how it shakes out is is how safe things are inside the bubble for the NHL. Um, professional sports got kind of a, a kick in the teeth today. Um, it's interesting, you know, it was. It was great. I got to watch uh, three, all three Phillies games this weekend. I can't remember the last summer that I actually got to watch an entire series of the Phillies. Um, they played three games at home at Citizens Bank Park, uh, hosting the Miami Marlins. And curiously, yesterday it was very odd that just before, uh, just before opening pitch, um, one of the Marlins player, one or two of the Marlins players, suddenly were pulled from from the, the roster. Uh, with 
nothing said. And of course, everyone automatically thinks, uh oh, that's not, that's not good. Um, and it turns out that afterwards, uh, three, it was, it was, it was determined that three Marlins players had tested positive, um, which leaves a big question mark as to who then decided that it was a good idea to then move forward with the game. Um, but on top of that, today, an additional 10 members of the Marlins organization, including two coaches, have all tested positive for COVID-19. That means that the Marlins are now quarantining in Philadelphia in their hotel. Uh, it's completely locked down now. Um, their flight to Miami was canceled. Their game, their home opener was supposed to be tonight. That was canceled. The Phillies then had to cancel their game against the Yankees. They were supposed to, they were supposed to host the Yankees tonight. They've had to postpone that game as well. Uh, everyone in the Phillies clubhouse is undergoing rigorous COVID-19 testing. They're quarantining all of the visiting room, lock, uh, visiting locker room staff. It's a nightmare. And, who knows how far this ripple effect goes? Obviously, the Marlins have to quarantine for two two weeks now. I mean, not a lot has been said from the MLB other than we're not pausing the season. But we're four days. We are four days into a seat into the season, and they've got, you know, more than a dozen people just just on one team testing positive for COVID nineteen now. The interesting thing here is MLB decided to not go the bubble route. Uh, their teams are traveling. Their teams are um, going in and out of cities. They're not locked down. Um, so that's the downfall and the detriment. And we'll see if the MLB can keep their season together. On the flip side of things, the NHL is in a very tight bubble situation. Uh, J.F. Chamont will give us some examples of that when he joins us here in a few minutes, uh, as he is in Toronto. Um, and things are allegedly very locked down inside the bubble. You know, they've, the NHL has gone through extensive uh, explanations of how tightly the bubble is made, the hotel, the arena, making restaurants accessible and so on, so, so on and so forth. But Rick, the teams have been there just about 24 hours. And this afternoon of all people, Brandon Prust was on Twitter <laughs> commenting on how awful the situation with the MLB right now and the Marlins and the Phillies is. And Dale Weiss replied to him with, um, I'm going to guess a tweet that the NHL and maybe the Canadians are probably wishing he hadn't done. I would say so. Um, and, and let's remember that, that Dale Weiss was, uh, was not a cheerleader for return to play. Dale Weiss was one of the players, one of the Canadians players who was very critical and very outspoken um, during the process uh, against uh, return to play. Um, we heard uh, uh, Paul Byron, Brandon Gallagher, Philip Deneau called <laughs> being in a, a bubble inhumane um, at one point. Uh, but his tweet today to Brandon Pruss, uh, that is Dale Weiss, uh, said, uh, had our server wearing his mask around his neck last night at dinner, so we'll see how this goes, Prusty, LOL. Um, we should... Uh, as as much as the the NHL wants to make the case that this is this is a locked down bubble, and 
Uh, it may be that way with the players, and there's there's huge uh, financial penalties for uh, players going outside the, the bubble. You have to remember that staff, whether it be host, hotel staff, restaurant staff, security staff, uh, any of the ancillary services, uh, those staff are not in a bubble. At the end of their shift, they leave, they exit the bubble and go home or they go wherever. So uh, for a server in a restaurant... Uh, to not be wearing uh, his mask properly within that, the bubble. Within the bubble, that's a big concern. That's that's. Um, I I would hope that it, this uh, tweet set off some alarm bells in the NHL offices. I'm sure it's also causing some scrambling for PR as well. To because that's the last thing that Gary Bettman is going to want is that there will be questions about the actual safety and validity of of how well the bubble is being managed. So, I mean, on one hand, I say thank you, Dale Weiss, for providing some transparency (laughs) and for letting us know that it's not quite as perfect, um, you know, as as some would like you to believe. Um, But it also leaves me and you and everyone else uh, very concerned for the safety of the players, of the staff, um, you know, these, as as is noticed by all of the reactions of the players who, who come to their hotel rooms and see pictures of their families and so forth and, and are very touched by that, you have to remember, yes, they're chasing a Stanley Cup, but they're making a gigantic sacrifice of not being with their families for potentially a few months um, in order to come and play hockey. And there isn't room for carelessness. Um, so we just wish everyone uh, all the best as far as health and safety and um, keeping our fingers crossed that, that everything goes off okay. Well, let's get things started right off the bat today by welcoming our very first guest. Uh, happy to say a, uh, a longtime guest uh, here with Rocket Sports Media, but a first-time guest here on the Press Zone. Happy to welcome Douglas Gallivan, the CBC Montreal sports journalist to the program today. Doug, thanks so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, hard to believe that uh, in less than 24 hours, we will have uh, hockey back on television again, believe it or not. Um, it's pretty exciting, but of course, you know, in the media world, everything suddenly is is condensed into a very short period of time. So, <laughs> so we're happy to have you on today. Uh, in fact, we were aware that uh, today's Habs media call just ended not too long ago. So let's let's just start there. Did you gather anything of uh, new and noteworthy from from the Canadians today? Well, we're, we're trying to get a sense of what life is like inside the bubble uh, for those guys because the access to the media is so very limited. Uh, from what I was seeing, only a couple of reporters are even allowed into uh, when the games are going on, the practices are going to be limited. So uh, just to get an idea of what these guys are living through at this point. Of course, there's a lot of interest on that. Uh, I, I asked uh, a few of the guys some questions on that. And uh, one thing that they did mention was that there was a bit of a welcome package that they had waiting for them there. We saw a few teams posting, you know, photos of their family had been in the hotel room waiting for them. Well, the Montreal Canadiens wives and marketing department uh, got together and decided to put a welcome bag for the players in there. And you know what? These are the kind of things that you're going to be seeing a lot of because they need to find a way to make these guys comfortable in this scenario. Sure, it is a hotel, but uh, we've heard the saying, you know, this is kind of like a prison without bars. Uh, These are young men uh, with many of them with a lot of money. 
uh, a lot of opportunity to get out there and do a lot of fun things in their lives. And now they're into a hotel room where they're kind of uh, just living with the people around them and their accessibility uh, to get out there and do other things that they're used to doing is gone. So uh, keeping them he healthy, keeping them happy uh, is both two different sides of the same coin. Uh, and if you got a happy, healthy team, uh, you might have a very good opportunity of winning this uh, return to play tournament. One of the things that you typically do when interviewing is to thank the players for their time. So let me do that to uh, the same and thank you. We uh, certainly appreciate you joining us. Um, My pleasure. Uh, you, you mentioned that media access is, is limited. Um, so maybe describe how your job has changed. You did a great report for CBC Montreal uh, walking into uh, Place Bell and, and mm. the temperature checks and, and masks and uh all of that, uh, and you're doing the Zoom calls, as as you mentioned. Uh, but a part of your job is is getting close to the players and gaining information through informal conversations. And mm -hmm. how has that affected the way you work? Uh, it's devastated it in a way. I mean, we don't get those one-on-one uh, -on -one moments in the locker room anymore. And a lot of the time, when you get the insight of really what's happening, it doesn't happen when the bright lights are on the player uh, with the cameras mm -hmm. uh, opened up and whatnot and you get more of that when you get to talk to them on the side you get the one-on-one -on -one opportunities and uh, none of that is happening right now and it's unfortunate really for the fans uh, who uh, will be really tuned in uh, to this and making it into a tv event but all those stories on the side that kind of give the texture to what a lot of nhl fans like if you're if you're not into the you know the the the, the black and white numbers so much it's that's the, the soap opera of the nhl and the soap opera of sports is really what engages a lot of people and i i have a, mm -hmm. I have a feeling we're losing a lot of that with this but of course you know we have to look at the scenario that we're in here and realize that, you know, this is as good as it's going to get right now. Uh, you just have to hope that this isn't setting a precedent for later down mm -hmm. uh, when things start to reopen again. That will kind of limit our ability to do our job uh, because right now, you know, we're all playing the game. We're all uh, you know, playing along and we're doing what's asked of, of us to keep the players safe. And the players are making themselves available as much as possible. But those extra things, that extra context, especially in a sports market like Montreal, when those uh, little details can mean so much uh, for the fan base here because they you know the appetite is insatiable uh, we really do hope that the things kind of do go back to normal at some point but but Rick really it has changed a lot um, like you saw in that video uh, even though the players were only a couple of uh, meters away from us on the other side of the rink where we're still talking to them uh, over zoom so uh, that personal connection that contact is gone uh, that contact is gone um, we're still doing our best to tell these stories but uh, uh, it's become exponentially more difficult on a media side of things, for sure. Absolutely yeah. challenging, and 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 we echo your sentiments there. You know, covering the organization from a, from the AHL level, we certainly understand what it's like to get those, you know, behind the scenes stories when, as you say, the spotlight is off. So, I, mm -hmm. we agree. We hope this doesn't set a precedent <laughs> going for professional well, media down the line. I, I know, uh, just covering sports at all different levels, uh, the minor league levels, you get even more of that access. Abs yes. And, it and be because those players don't have as much of a spotlight shined on them in the big sports shows and the highlight pack shows, those stories are even exponentially more important when you talk about the minor league levels uh, and whatnot as far as getting those players' names out there, their stories out there, and having them engaging uh, with the fans. So, uh, yes, absolutely, I'm, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> well, let's... 
Let's talk just a bit about uh, training camp. You know, the, mm. the, they were there in Broussard for the better portion of a, a week and a half. Of course, the big story was consistently the you know two players who were very absent every day until the very yeah. end. But just in general, what were your thoughts coming out of training camp? Who really stood out to you uh, from a from a prospect standpoint? And what do you think uh, you know the outlook is heading into this this little mini tournament for the qualifying round? Well, the guys that stood out, I mean, it, I don't think this is much of a surprise, but uh, Jesperi Kokanyemi and Nick Suzuki are two guys who are going to have a big, big spotlight on them in this uh, return-to-play tournament because they are going to be getting these top-line minutes. And Kokanyemi, so many questions about him uh, going into that pause that we had there uh, mm-hmm. with his injury, with his ability to stay uh, up to pace with the NHL level. And I guess you could say the same thing for Suzuki, who we didn't think there was a wall coming from for him. And then the wall kind of hit him uh, right before the break. So for those two guys to be able to come back, show very, very well uh, in this training camp, you'd kind of expect that from a young player. You know, you get the blood pumping in their legs again. Uh, but for them to actually, you know, expect expectations and and what actually happens are two different things. So to see those guys come out, put a very strong camp together, especially Kokanyemi, who there were questions about him, uh, around him uh, coming uh, coming out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So for both of them to have a very, very strong camp, and now you look at the situation that the Habs have on their lineup, where they traded away a lot of these veteran presence players who would be getting these minutes in these scenarios uh, in other times. Now those two guys have a huge opportunity to step up uh, play against some very, very talented opposition in the Pittsburgh Penguins and essentially prove one way or another if they're up to the task or not uh, with these fresh legs. Uh, if you want to go a little bit deeper into the uh, prospect pool, uh, sticking with the forwards, I mean, Ryan Paling, uh, mm-hmm. Evans uh, are two guys that I have my eye on. I'm not entirely sure they're going to factor into the starting lineup. Uh, based on what we saw today, they were kind of the extras uh, on the ice uh, in Toronto. So, uh, but this is a, of course a fluid situation and you know we're going to be playing lots of games back to back so they might be uh, rotating in Evans is a guy who really did uh, step up at the end of uh, the, well right before the pause uh, and was looking like he was starting to find a way to play at the next level so I'd like to be able to see him uh, continue uh, with that momentum and then if you want to look on the defensive side, uh, guys, there is a lot of question marks. Uh, we don't know who's going to be playing yeah. on the third trio. It could be, you could be Yulson, it could be Fleury, it could be Olofsson, it could be Mete, it could be Willette. Uh, we know it's not going to be Josh Brook. That's the one guy who didn't make the trip. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit disappointing. Um, not just from, I, I, you know, there were so much expectations piled up onto him, um, watching him go through training camps, and there was this feeling that he was up and coming. I think this is a big blow for him not to be included in those 11 def- uh, defensemen that they took there, especially considering they took a guy, Romanov, and we all know the reasons why mm-hmm. they took Romanov. Yeah. But Romanov's not going to have any chance of seeing the ice, but he's taking that spot. So exactly. I, we understand why Romanov is there, but for Brooks' perspective, that's a real big blow uh, to him um, because this would have been a, just a great chance for him to be in the day-to-day with the team and practicing. And now that he's not inside the bubble, you have to wonder where that leaves him uh, moving forward. So that just leaves the goaltenders, and we know it's <laughs> going to be Carey Price all the time, but there's going to be a spot at the end of the Habs bench. And uh, word was that uh, Charlie Lindgren seemed to be on a bit of a mission during camp and seemed to have a strong camp. Now, should we expect to see Charlie um, at the end of the bench? And 
and part B of the question is um, who's rocking the better mustache yourself or uh, Charlie Lindgren <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the mustache department, I'm, I'm working hard there. <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I, I'm not all in on the mustache side of things. Uh, <laughs> but on the backup goaltender question, th- th- I love this conversation um, because it's, it seems insignificant from the outside, you know, from a non-micro-hockey like, perspective. Um, okay, who cares if, who's the backup goalie? But... It really is significant if yeah. you see what Carey Price has had to go through over the last couple of years and the workload that he's had to go through. And, and just that year when they had Niemi on the bench and how much uh, there was no confidence in him to be able to you know, stop, uh, stop a streak or win a game. So it's, it's an underappreciated thing. Uh, but Lindgren, you know, I watched one day in practice where the guys were seriously testing him, uh, firing as wicked shots as they could at him. And he looked pretty good, uh, was beaten quite a few times, but also uh, I think he's the guy who they're going to stick at the end of the bench, even though I know a lot of the fans are screaming for Caden Primo. <laughs> yeah. um, there would be a bit of a fallout from that decision if you put Primo on that yep. bench. What happens to Charlie Lindgren going forward? You're essentially sending him a message that he's not going to be the guy, he's not part of the plans of this team, and all the work that he's put in is for naught because there's this kid coming up hot on his heels. Now, I don't think that same negativity falls on Caden Primo if you tell Caden Primo you're going to be with the team, but you're not going to be on the bench. Now, the reality of the scenario is this is a kind of next year problem that they're trying to prevent. And for this particular tournament, we expect Carey Price to be getting the nod every single game unless there is some sort of catastrophic Chris Kreider moment that takes him out. And then maybe you look to bringing in Primo to start, but keeping Lindgren in that headspace where he is the backup goaltender until you absolutely are at the point where you don't have that luxury anymore. But that's, of course, we're talking about a worst case scenario here in the ideal sense. We've seen Carey Price start seasons when he He's healthy and rested. Uh, the guy can play. He's a workhorse. Eventually, uh, it wears on him, and he, we've seen him break down before. But uh, I think, in, especially in the short term, uh, Carey Price is going to be able to shoulder the load. And the second choice has to be Charlie Lindgren because you do not want to be creating a landmine scenario uh, heading into next uh, season. If you want to make that decision later on, we'll go ahead. But Lindgren has done the work. Uh, he's like you said he looked good in training camp as well so for them to go away from him at this particular point would be pretty devastating uh, to him and his future with the team absolutely and I have to say we, we would agree with you there uh, seems that Charlie Langron would be the would be the mm-hmm. logical choice for them for backup at, at this point in time well Doug thank you so much that Fabulous reporting, uh, right from the source. We we really appreciate uh, you being here with us today. We invite, I'm, sh- you know, our listeners have to be following you on Twitter by now. But in case you aren't, be sure you're following Doug at D Gallivan. That's D G E L E V A N uh, from CBC Montreal. And thank you so much for being here with us today. And uh, good luck with the beginning of hockey. Well, guys, thank you so much. I know we're all looking forward to seeing hockey on television again. Habs Maple Leafs coming up on Tuesday. And then that series, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun regardless of what happens. And just curating that little bubble of friends that you'll be able to watch the games with. Uh, right. Start That's thinking right. about that now because, <laughs> <laughs> because those lists are tough to curate. Uh, I did it for the Montreal Impact 
uh, last Saturday and uh, you ask a few people and then all of a sudden day of the game you're getting a lot of phone calls from friends you haven't heard from in a while (laughs) so so I think with the hockey it's going to be even more of a tough decision but guys I really do appreciate you having me on and uh, uh, let's uh, see how the Montreal Canadiens do here in this very unique opportunity that they have absolutely thanks so much for joining us bye guys well, thanks very much to Doug Elevan. Rick, that was a fantastic interview. We're absolutely going to have to have him back on uh, again soon. And uh, it's some great perspective there. And uh, I have to say, I think we agree with, with just about everything he had to say. <laughs> that, was a great, that was a great interview. Thanks, Doug. Uh, now, coming up next, I, we promised you, Habs fans, not one, but two great interviews from our uh colleagues and friends in the Montreal media. And uh, we have a great interview J.F. Chamont, very busy man today. We managed to catch up with him in between um, media availability Zoom calls this afternoon after the after the Habs uh, availability as well, and lots to keep track of. So we appreciate uh, J.F. Chamont coming on as well. Uh, just one note, you will hear a little bit of an echo uh, when we're asking some of the questions of, of J.F., but have no fear. His answers are going to come through loud and clear. So don't uh, don't adjust your sets. Everything is fine. Uh, and it's a fantastic interview. So let's take a listen. Well, joining us now, we're going to continue our reporting on the Montreal Canadiens as they get set for their return to play. And I'm so pleased uh, to be able to invite onto the show today a, a longtime colleague of ours uh, who we haven't had a chance to see in a in a press box in a little while, but uh, always happy to see him when we do. And that would be J.F. Chamont, the Habs beat writer for Journal de Montréal. Uh, J.F., thanks so much for being with us today, especially uh, the day before. It's kind of like Hockey Eve. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's a crazy day, though, to, today. There's a lot of Zoom interview. This is the <laughs> new reality. So we're in front of the computer uh, waiting for the players or the coaches to be talking with us. But every team we're talking today, so we're 24 teams totals, 12 in the East, 12 in the West. Keeps you busy. <laughs> I'm not listening to all the teams. <laughs> no, that's 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 good thing. That's a good thing. Now um, we know that you are are in Toronto, uh, not not necessarily inside the bubble, but in Toronto. Can you can you just give us a little bit of a kind of a view from your standpoint of what it's like to be in the city right now, and and have you been down around, you know, the fenced off area down downtown and so forth, and, and just what it's what it's like there right now. Yeah, I, I arrived yesterday in Toronto, so I was walking downtown uh, last night, and I did the same this morning. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, in front of the Scotiabank Center, the Scotiabank Arena, there's a big wall, there's guards everywhere, so you're not allowed to enter that perimeter. It's the same thing with the hotels. The Canadians are staying at the uh, the big Royal York Hotel downtown, mm-hmm. and there's a little wall in front of the hotel. There's some policemen. So it's really a bubble. Only the players, coaches, uh, training staff are allowed to enter the bubble. But for the journalists, for the reporters, we're staying at the hotel and not too far away from that bubble. But even the practice, uh, we don't have the chance to go see the practice. We're going to be watching the game live at the Scotiabank Arena. Okay. Uh, the Habs are playing tomorrow a preseason game, sort of a preseason game <laughs> against the uh, the Maple Leafs, and the Penguins will be playing against the Flyers. So those games will be able to see it live. This is the only thing that we're allowed to do. Now everybody's kind of curious so what we're going to see uh, once the play starts on Saturday, uh, particularly the Canadians lineup, which 
Claude Julien has described as a balance lineup, and don't dare call that fourth line a fourth line. It's the good line. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's a lot of veterans. Um, we're going to see Kakanyemi and Suzuki get that playoff experience that Mark Bergevin talked about that's so important. But uh, we may not see Evans or Paling or Fleury or Juleson. Who do you think we're, we're going to see, particularly on that third pairing uh, defense? Right now, I think it's going to be Xavier Ouellet with Victor Mété. Uh, you might have a surprise factor because the Habs will be allowed uh, to dress two more players. Every team will be allowed to dress two more players for, for the, their only preseason game. Uh, it might be a fight between Xavier Ouellet, uh, Kel Fleury and Noah Jolson for the last spot. But right now, I think Ouellet is having the edge. And up front, uh, Nick Suzuki will be the second center of the team. Jesper Ikutkanemi will be playing on the third line, and Max Domi will be playing on a fourth line, even though Claude Julien <laughs> is afraid of that word. But when you're skating with Dale Weiss, a guy who was playing with the Rocket for most of the season, I think we can call it the fourth line. Yeah, I think so, I, I think so as well. Now, talking about tomorrow's, that, as you say, preseason or exhibition game tomorrow, what what? Do you really expect to see from the Habs and Claude Julien against the Leafs tomorrow as they prepare to take on the Penguins? It's a good question. It's not the typical uh, preseason game because you want to be ready for the playoff. Mm-hmm. And the playoff, it's against Pittsburgh, a best of five. I'm curious to see uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. We haven't seen Kotkaniemi for the last weeks of the season. He was playing with the Rocket and Laval. Now he's in the middle with Paul Byron and Arturi Likinen, so it's a really good chance for Cut Kanyemi. I'm not sure, though, that uh, Claude Julien is thrilled about that line. He might receive a little bit of pressure from the GM, Marc Bergevin, to use Cut Kanyemi. Uh, I think Cut Kanyemi will be playing on a short leash. If he's not doing well, I will not be surprised to see Max Domi centering that line. But it's true, though. You need some balance to be facing Pittsburgh. The Penguins, we all know it. They have pretty good centermen, starting with Crosby <laughs> and Malkin. But also Jaron McCann on a, on a third line with Patrick Marlowe. It's a lot of experience with Marlowe. And on the fourth line, you have Brendan Tanev, who's a really good winger, gritty winger. So you don't have any, any rest if you're the Montreal Canadiens during that series. Now, mentioning Jared McCann, uh, he was a name that came up when uh, you reached out to uh, Penguins Beat reporters to ask them for their predictions and, and that, that hidden guy who might make a difference. Um, you, you had uh, 12 Le Journal reporters uh, weigh in. Um, you had six Penguins reporters. Um, but for two, everybody is picking the Penguins. Uh, yourself, your prediction was Penguins in four. How did you come to that conclusion? And um, what would have to happen for uh, a different result? Uh, first of all, it's, it's not a surprise, but Carey Price will need to be at his best. If Carey Price is not stealing a game or two, uh, the Habs, they have absolutely no chance. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. There, there's the, uh, the unknown factor. Both teams are coming back after a long, long pause of four months. So who's going to be ready for that first game of the playoff? It's the, it's the biggest question. But if you look at both teams, uh, all the players in Pittsburgh were already skating in Pittsburgh 
few weeks before the start of phase three uh, compared to Montreal where the guys arrive maybe at the last minute. So it it's, might be a big factor. And health-wise, I'm curious to see Sidney Crosby. There's some doubt about him. Uh, today he was kidding. He had a full skate with, with his teammates. So it's a good sign for the Penguins and not a really good sign for the Abs. The other factor also, it's, it's depth in the middle. Mm-hmm. The Habs, the they have a pretty good line with Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher. It's one of the best lines in the NHL, five against five. But after that, you're going to be asking Nick Suzuki to be skating probably against Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. Yes, Suzuki is a really good player, but he's only 20 years old and no playoff experience. And you're asking him to stop one of the best players in the NHL. So it's a pretty, pretty tough task for, for Nick Suzuki. Do you think health could be a bit of a wild card as well? You you mentioned Sidney Crosby uh, out uh, a couple of practices. We had Kulak and, and Willad out uh, for the for most practices. Uh, do, you, do you think that the NHL has a handle on this? Has, is the bubble secure or could health play a role in this? But right now, I'm sure the NHL is crossing their fingers, but they have, they have no case of COVID-19 for the last week. Right, right. Last week, now they're entering the, the bubble, so it should be even more safer for the NHL. But health-wise, uh, it's possible groin injury uh, will, will be, might be a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're asking guys who are not playing for four months to start right away with the intensity of a playoff so it will mm-hmm. not be easy uh, it, it could be it could be a big factor and and it's true with montreal two of, of their six demon xavier wallet and brett kulak both miss uh, most of the camps so they mm-hmm. haven't been skating a lot in in the recent days well and coupled with that there was that small group who was who was kind of practicing separately outside of the group as well also yeah and philip Dano was part of the of this group so we all know that Dano will be a key player for for the abs right Excellent. Well, we certainly thank you for taking a little bit of time uh, just to give us kind of that inside look from Toronto uh, the day before we we get back to hockey. Um, and we certainly would love to have you back on the show again. We we uh, we hope you're doing well and, and continue to stay safe and healthy. I could join you anytime. And it's weird to be talking about hockey. I'm looking at my <laughs> calendar for the end of July. It's 30 degree outside in Toronto. <laughs> And we're talking about hockey, but it's also a good sign. We, we miss we miss our sports. So it, we sure it, do. That's, we won't complain. No, we won't. Be sure, uh, you know, all of our listeners should already be following you on Twitter. But in case you're not, be sure you're following uh, JF at JF Chamon JDM. That's J F C H A U M O N T JDM. And uh, we thank you so much for your time today, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank Thanks you, guys. A lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Again, we can't say thank you enough to Jeff uh, Chamon. That was, you know, again, we we've we've enjoyed running into him um, behind the scenes at at hockey events for years now. I, in fact, before the interview, we were we were even reminiscing about uh, one of the first times we ran into Jeff Chamon was in Lake Placid, New York, of all places. Uh, wild, yeah. yeah, for uh, one of the the World Junior uh, National Development. Uh, camps that used to be held by, back in Lake Placid so years ago. So uh, we always enjoyed chatting with J.F. Chamont, and we appreciate him coming on today. We'll, we'll have him on again here soon. Uh, on that note, Flyers fans, 
it is your turn. Uh, Habs fans, you're going to love this second second segment. Don't worry. Uh, we've got some great information for you there as well. But Flyers fans, this next segment is for you. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Flyers return to play. And we've got a tremendous interview with Anthony Mingioni from Center Ice Philly Magazine and Off the Post Radio. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports at Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. Uh, This segment today, uh, this week, is all about the Philadelphia Flyers and their return to play. Uh, and we've got a great interview with Anthony Mangione coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But first, Rick, let's take a look at the roster that Alain Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher t- decided to take to the bubble in the hub city of Toronto. Um, there were there were four uh, four players who ended up not making the roster. That would be Carson Torinsky, uh, Rupsoff, Watherspoon, and Prosser. Um all four goaltenders, uh, once again there, uh, Brian Elliott, Carter Hart, um, Alex Lyon, and Kirill Ustamenko, all all traveling to the Hub City. Um, overall, I, th- I think I think that the Flyers are, are pretty confident with the roster they took. Um, again, the one guy that was kind of on the edge that maybe should have had the opportunity to be there, but we can kind of understand a little more on this case why he wasn't, would be Carson Torinsky. That's right. He had a 
a good season with uh, with the Phantoms, and and um, um, you know uh, was fine when he uh, was uh, called up and and acquitted mm-hmm. himself well. Uh, with the Flyers as well, but um, it's a numbers game, and and uh, there was uh, there was folks ahead of him. So um, you you see some some interesting names on the on the list. Um, Igor Zamula, um, uh, Andy Z- uh, Walensky, and and uh, and then um, as we'll talk about uh, Oscar Lindblom, which is just an incredible story, an incredible story. Um, that he's able to join uh, the team in Toronto. Absolutely. And and the the team members in their media availability today did talk about the fact that it's it's quite uplifting to uh, have his name on that roster and and see him persevere through all of the adversity he has faced with his batter, battle with cancer this season. Uh, and the fact that he is uh, finished his treatment, has signed his his new contract uh, and and is traveling with the team to Toronto. It's just it's just tremendous all the way around and uh, couldn't be happier for him. Um, another interesting thing that the Flyers are doing, um, would love to see some more teams get on the board with this kind of initiative. Kudos to the Flyers for, for rolling this out today. They, they announced today an initiative called the Flyers Hometown Assist. You're not going to get, you're not going to believe this. They're accepting applications to, uh, for businesses to be part of the Flyers Hometown Assist through uh, the end of this weekend. So applications are only being accepted this week through August 2nd. But it's a way, as they say in their press release, to help support local small businesses impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic in the greater Philadelphia area. The Flyers are now accepting applications for the Hometown Assist program. So what is it? You're not, this is, it just blew me away when I read this. Get this. Five local businesses will be awarded a half million dollars in advertising assets for free that will be showcased throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs and the 2020-2021 NHL regular season. Five small businesses impacted by COVID-19 in the Philadelphia area will get free half million dollar advertising for the playoffs and next season with the flyers. That's an incredible boost for, um, businesses that are, have been struggling and, and, uh, and will need that, that boost to get back on their feet. Absolutely. So if you or someone, you know, has a business in the greater Philadelphia area, go to the flyers website, download the application. It's actually relatively, um, short. Uh, You just need to Fill in some general uh, business information, including some revenue uh, figures for the last couple of years. And then they give you an opportunity to talk about your business and the impact that it has on the community and then how COVID-19 has impacted your business in a negative way and how partnering with the Flyers would benefit your company. So uh, I encourage anyone in the greater Philadelphia area who has or know someone who has a small business who's who's been really impacted by the coronavirus pandemic, get on board with this. It doesn't, it wouldn't hurt. Uh, get the application in and congratulations to the Flyers for such a generous offer. Um, it's it's really tremendous. I, I have a lot of respect for that. 
For our Flyers fans, we've got a fantastic interview lined up for you today. Happy to, uh, shame on us that it has taken us uh, this long to invite him onto the show, but it will not be the last time for sure. Uh, so pleased to uh, invite onto the show today our friend and colleague, Anthony Mangione. He is the writer for Center Ice Philly Magazine and, of course, the co-host of Off the Post Radio, who is a friend of the show as well. And uh, we're really happy to have you here today on kind of what we're calling Hockey Eve here. Anthony, how are you today? I'm doing great, Amy. How are you? Doing wonderful, thanks. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a busy day as everyone is really gearing up for this return to play tomorrow. Um, before we get to what's happening in the bubble and and what's going to happen this week, I wanted to first get your thoughts and just brief reactions on training camp in general uh, and and you know the final roster, uh, who was chosen to to head to Toronto, um, particularly with you know Twarinski was was kind of a is he is he going to make the cut or is he not? Uh, but Zamula making making the cut and being there, and, and as we found out today, is is probably going to play tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. in the exhibition game. So just your overall thoughts on training camp and and who the Flyers narrowed it down to head to the bubble. Well, again, with the, the obviously the big news of uh, of Oscar Lindblom's uh, first, obviously the announcement of the signing of his three year contract, uh, and then obviously. Um, we get into um, Chuck Fletcher's comments, which he kind of, again, I wouldn't say he's, he's walked it back a little bit. They, they have him obviously on the roster, mm-hmm. but the minute that they pretty much intimated that Limblom was going to be on the 31 man roster, you knew then that there was going to be someone potentially that, um, that probably would have been on that is not, is not, was not going to necessarily make the roster in this circumstance. And again, um, I think if Limblom wasn't, going to be on the roster i think torinsky probably was a, would, would have likely made it um it's just a, it's a positional thing also i think also uh, some of the other players that are currently on the roster to have a little bit more maybe flexibility in terms of where they can play them uh andreoff obviously can i think can play both posi- both center and wing and he obviously has extent has nhl experience uh ex- you know playing with the kings prior and other places so again some of the final ones zamula was a fascinating one to me but i they have been very high on agor uh for a while in terms of you know even after uh his injury to his back um mm-hmm. they, there was always that indication that they see zamula as being a pretty 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 substantive part of their future how in terms of where he'll eventually play uh in the nhl that's obviously an open-ended uh, that's an open-ended question but his play, obviously, in Calgary has been, you know, with the Hitmen has been exemplary. Um, certainly, hopefully, again, going into if we had, you know, going into next season, he could very well be looking at uh, certainly looking at a potential a roster spot with it with the Phantoms. Um, but it's he could also potentially, pen, pending on how free agency goes after the postseason is over, um, if he really impresses, you never know. He might be looking at potent, starting off uh, with bottom six minutes. So. Them playing him tomorrow, even though it's a seven, even though it's seven defensemen tomorrow, I still, I still think it says a bit about how they view him in terms of, um, he's, he's, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to say he's, he's a, he's at Phil Myers level fine, but I don't think you're far away from that in terms of, um, he may not necessarily have Myers offense completely have Myers offensive upside, but I do, I think he's, his, you know, he does seem to follow. Something that Philadelphia has really been looking for defensively, which is bigger, rangier defensemen 
you know, you have the, obviously had a Travis Sanheim, but you have Myers, who's, you know, big and rangy, and also Zamula is as well. Mm-hmm. Does he have the same level of wheels? I'm not necessarily sure, but we're going to obviously get a good look here uh, tomorrow. I wonder if I can turn your attention to the the goaltenders. And, and last week, there was a, a bit of a scare, I have to say, for uh, Flyers fans with Carter Hart uh, in a, what's described as a minor issue, whether it was back spasms or what it was. Um, and, uh, you know, in that time, um, uh, Brian Elliott, uh, was, was pretty outstanding in, in camp. And, and so it's, it, it's not the same situation as Montreal where it's uh, one goaltender all the time, but, but what do you think, what, what kind of role does Carter Hart have to have, uh, for the Flyers for, a, an extended run? And then I guess, uh, you know, part of that is, um, are you already writing the stories about the kid from Sherwood Park returning home if they get that far? And, and uh, you know, for the conference final, the Stanley Cup final with Carter Hart going back to Edmonton. It's such a un- this is such a unique scenario for a young goaltender, as young as Carter Hart, to be. It, it's just the dynamics this are so different. You're going in, you're going to be playing your first playoff games in ostensibly an empty arena. It is. Yeah. This, it has to be just the old. You know, we always talk about how does a young player sort of a you know mentally adapt themselves mm-hmm. f- for the pace of play, but there's also just the atmosphere of the arena as well that cannot be understated here. That it's just it's it's on a whole different level. Um, and again, the thing that Hart does have working for him is that. He ha- he has played at the highest of levels in junior hockey. That's right. He won he, you know he won, won a gold medal in the World Juniors. Lost his posi- lost actually briefly lost the position before getting it back and then winning the gold medal with Team Canada. He has been in high pressure situations and I feel and I've said this before that I feel that if you've been in those scenarios before you can draw on those experiences as well. I also feel with heart. As a, as a certain just a maturity about himself mm-hmm. that belies his age. Um, and that's the one thing. Again, you don't know how you're going to react. Again, we um, at the end of the day, you do also have the, the, the pace of play is going to be going to be incredibly is going to be incredibly fast. The once the players sort of get their leg, really get their legs under them after those first uh, four after those initial round robin games. But I, I, I have to tell you, again, we, you don't know until you're actually in it, but. Could I see Carter Hart potentially getting on on a roll here in this unique environment, and 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 making a deep run and possibly writing those Sherwood Park stories <laughs> at Edmonton? It's entirely possible. And I think the Flyers uh, fans would be purely on board that train. Uh, the the amount of support he's been getting has has been tremendous. Um, you you mentioned those those round robin games. Talk to us, if you would, just a little bit about the the unique, you know, aside from a regular playoff scenario, the, the Flyers and, and those teams that have already qualified for the playoffs have a really unique situation in front of them where they get to play an exhibition game tomorrow and then they get three games to kind of figure things out with the roster, get those guys some some game action, um, and also be be competing for, for some seeding advantages as well. So... What what kind of preparation does that really give the Flyers for once once the actual playoff rounds begin? Well, I think you have the combination. Also, you add all. Uh, in many ways, again, it's a four. They they have the advantage of a what I would call a working buy. And that's basically what we have. They, the Flyers have here is that 
you know, they're not just sitting and sort of waiting. They get the, the chance to, again, th- there is seating advantages. And they, for the most part, as an organization, have kind of tamped down on the importance of that. And we understand why. There is, you're, there is no real, there's no true home ice mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. So in this circumstance, you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, we're not, you know, we'll have the home ice sort of all the, the trappings of it. Uh, if we if we end up having the one C with all of our lights and all of our fixtures, but again, it is not your home arena at the end of the day, and I think for them they, they they're taking the right task in terms of kind of making sure to have their players' legs under them, uh, and that's probably the most probably to them they think is probably the most important thing is getting them ready in kind of a run up circum, uh, circumstance. And again, a lot of this goes back to how tight I think they ran training camp uh, in terms of really Vino really wanting them to kind of hit the ground running and how sort of extremely organized and, and efficient uh, their, their camp sessions were. Uh, and that's something that they actually spoke to today during, the, uh, during, the, during their press conference is that, you know, if Elaine said it's 42 minutes, it's for, it literally at 42 minutes we're, we are in and we're done and we fit everything we've needed to do for the, for the day. So I think they're not going to be a team that's going to be unprepared uh, in terms of getting, the, getting themselves ready to go. But, they get those games against teams that they've had some success against. Against Washington, mm-hmm. uh, they had a lot of success against this season. Uh, when I had to sort of do a little bit of a, when I was asked to sort of rate the the, the defenses of each of the of, of the teams remaining in the round robin, you know the Caps may be you know technically sort of ahead and finished ahead in the stings, but I have my concerns obviously about their defense. I think Philadelphia's is actually uh, it may not have the the top end guy like a, like a Carlson. Uh, but they have overall depth, I think, on their defense, which works to their advantage. Getting those guys, certainly their legs underway, getting used to sort of tape to tape. They've set themselves up in a, in a left, in what Vino likes in a lefty, righty formation with all their pairs. So, you know, he, they, they feel balanced and they seem like a very confident bunch. And they're going to get, the, and again, once the games start playing and we could say, yeah, we're going to sort of wade our way into it, you still got to. You have to prepare yourself for playoff pace, and if you and you, I think maybe the first couple of games, maybe they sort of see how things are. But I think when you get to that last, uh, the last two or, or that last game, you really want to sort of make sure everything is running on all cylinders before you get into the games that really count. With the training camps underway, the NHL uh, made their announcements for their major awards, and uh, the Flyers were pretty well represented. Uh, represented with uh, Alain Vigneault uh, for the Adams, you mentioned uh, Oscar Lindblom, uh, him for the the Masterton, and for the Selkie Trophy, uh, you have Sean Couturier, and um, maybe. Maybe uh, a bit underrated. Um, he w- he would certainly be my choice this year uh, for the Selkie. Um, y- you now have him uh, as a proud new dad, a, a baby girl. He and his his wife Laurence um, welcomed their their first child. And and would you say it's uh, it's an opportunity for Couturier to be on a bit of a mission and a bit of a coming out to the rest of the league? I think so. Um, I, I would say that this is he has a, all the motivation in the world right now to really sort of put, a, put, put himself really fully establish himself. Those who follow hockey know just how important of a player Sean Couturier is to the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I don't necessarily want to say he's a more important player than, than, let's say, Claude Giroux, but I think for what he has to do now, for the responsibility of, being the first, of really being the first-line center of all the balance, and Anybody who's, who's sort of played with Sean Couturier always 
you know, talks about his attention to detail, how good he and we've all seen how good he is defensively. Yeah. And now the offense is really finally, you know, in the last three, two, three seasons or so has emerged. But again, you still have um, the one thing I will say, I, if, certainly if I'm the one who has the vote here for the Selkie trophy, I would vote for him. And, you, you know, somebody look at that and say, well, you, you cover the Flyers. It sounds like a homer pick. But uh, but at the same time, I would also say that it's not necessarily completely a slam dunk for him because I do know that uh, Patrice Bergeron, if he this is his record ninth nomination, I think if he wins, he I bel- I'll have to double check as to whether or not that would set a record for most. Uh, for, for and this is this potentially might be the last time that Patrice Bergeron might get nominated. We we can't award. let him get past Ganey though. They're both at four, so we can't. I know. I, mean, I, 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 know I, I know. I know who I speak to. So. <laughs> so that's the one thing I'm sure. Again, Montreal fans are certainly like, "Don't let him go past." Ask Andy, please don't. So, and certainly, uh, 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 sort of, you know, even though Sean grew up, Bobby, you know, in Arizona, we all know his aunt, we all know his ancestry as well uh, from Quebec. So, right. um if I had certainly in terms of the vote, I would I would be voting uh, Couturier. I think he is. He, this is his, he's earned the Selkie Trophy this year, in my opinion. Just as a, as one last wrap up question for you here. So tomorrow night, uh, knock on wood, all goes well. Actually, well tomorrow afternoon, um, hockey will be back on on television for all intents and purposes, and of course couldn't be set up better to be facing off against uh, the Western Pennsylvania team who will remain unnamed <laughs> what do you uh, what do you really expect to see in tomorrow's exhibition game against the penguins i think initially you're, if you're expecting high speed everything clicking on all cylinders don't i think this first game is going to be more uh, even though it happens to be philadelphia versus pittsburgh I, I think initially both teams are looking to sort themselves out at least in the first period now, again, you get a few hits here and there, get the blood flowing and potentially, you know, bad blood. You know, you, you mm-hmm. suddenly remember who you are and you remember <laughs> what time, you know, who you're playing. That's right. Um, so, the, but, but I think if you're looking for tight, tight, tight play, like where teams are firing all cylinders, it's been months. And I think there has to be a realistic expectation of what to expect in this first game as, te- as teams are starting to come back into it. Um, that said... Could very well be fun. My feeling is certainly going into the first into this play in series, I expect the hockey to be a bit on the sloppy side in the best of five series. Yeah. We're going to see some wild things happening, and I think for Philadelphia, as they sort of are, they have the advantage of the round robin here. Uh, in addition to the preseason, in, in addition to this uh, exhibition game, they can kind of make sure everything's in order uh, for whoever it is that they play in the next round. But that's that's my expectation, probably more or less for tomorrow, that it'll be a feeling out process with the possibility of things getting a little crazy if, uh, you know, something happens. (laughs) (laughs) Which you never know with these two teams. It's it's Philly and Pittsburgh. (laughs) You just never do know, especially, you know. That's right. And, and see, we'll see if, if Sid plays tomorrow. Full practice today, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Well, Anthony, thank you so much. I can't can't thank you enough for taking some time out on such a busy day. Uh, it was a fantastic report. Be sure, uh, you know, all of our listeners, of course, should already be following you. In case they are not, follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Mingioni. Uh, and be sure you're following uh, Off the Post Radio as well. It's a fantastic show. Be sure you catch it. Uh, and we, uh, we look forward to having you on again uh, very soon. Amy, uh, Rick, yeah. thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. Take care. Bye. 
Well, Rick, I have to say, Anthony Mangione is another one of those uh, gentlemen that we run into in press boxes uh, quite often when we're covering uh, the Phantoms and and the times that we are at Wells Fargo Center uh, covering the Flyers. And he's always uh, <laughs> he's always fun to talk to. And and today was was no different. Uh, fantastic interview with Anthony and uh, we appreciate his time again another very busy day uh, of for him as well and we'll have to have him on again soon great guy to talk to and always has a smile uh, when we see him and uh, <laughs> it was good to have him on the show for sure now before we head to our next commercial break let's just give you a quick glimpse at the coverage that we're going to do uh, this week for you for rocket sports media so Canadians fans you'll want to be sure that you're following at all Habs. That's where you can reach Rick, but at all Habs on Twitter, uh, as well as at the AHL report. Um, those two accounts of ours will be doing all of the live tweeting of the Canadians games this week. Uh, for Flyers fans, be sure you're following at the Flyers report. I'll be ha- uh, I'll be doing live tweeting of the Flyers coverage uh, with a prospect angle. Um, from that account, of course, make sure you're following at the AHL report as well. And then for game recaps this week, be sure you go to allhabs.net, allhabs.net uh, for Canadians fans, for, for the recaps of the Montreal Canadiens games uh, throughout the playoffs. And for the Flyers, uh, you'll be finding uh, game recaps for the Flyers at uh, ahlreport.com. So, Rick, we have... Lots of team coverage, um, social media, on the website. Of course, we've got Canadians Connection coming up again on Saturday for another podcast that's uh, Montreal Canadiens centered with you and Joe Whalen. So lots coming for for hockey fans uh, here at Rocket Sports Media this week. For sure. And uh, we realize that that some of our listeners are only now turning their attention uh, to returning their attention to, to hockey. And uh, so if you want to take a look at, or a listen to our, our uh, back catalog of, of podcasts or check out articles, uh, you're welcome to do that as well at those sites. And, it, and we'll get you right back up to speed uh, so that you can enjoy the action coming up. Absolutely. You don't want to miss a minute, and we're going to make sure that we're bringing you all the latest, uh, whether it's stats, whether it's analysis, game reports, and so forth. We'll have that all for you at those various uh, Twitter accounts and uh, Facebook pages and and websites. So be sure that you are following along with all of the Rocket Sports Media family uh, and, and stay on top of everything. On that note, we're going to take one last quick break. And on the other side, we're going to go beyond the AHL, give you some news, uh, talk about a a hockey legend that we lost, unfortunately, this week, as well as uh, just give a a little bit of our perspective regarding the the media access for the NHL inside the bubble uh, and and what it really means for for fans and media members uh, around the AHL. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. 
In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back once again to the Press Zone right here on AHLReport.com. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Again, my name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget, once again, be sure you're following all of the Twitter accounts. That would be at the Press Zone at the AHL Report. And for you Flyers fans, make sure you're also following at the Flyers Report as well. Now, in this final segment, we're just going to go uh, beyond the AHL. We're going to touch base on, on just a couple of uh, newsworthy items uh, before we head into the return to play tomorrow. Uh, the first of which, Rick, um, we lost an icon this week, um, and one that I admittedly didn't know a lot about, uh, and and in the last few days have have really had a big smile on my face with all of the um, reminiscing and the video clips that I've seen and 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 learning more about Eddie Shack. Eddie Shack was um, just a delight, a delightful man, a delightful hockey player. And, um, and known uh, far and wide as the entertainer. And uh, there was just no one, no one uh, like him. And um, he enjoyed being in the spotlight. He enjoyed um, the, the attention, whether it was for his hockey ability. And um, he did have hockey ability. Let's not, let's not, uh, he was a character, yes, but uh, he was also a, a player as well. And uh, he, he just, uh, uh, a, a guy who liked to have an awful lot of fun. Um, a winner of four Stanley Cups. Uh, the last of his cups in 1967 was the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. And uh, he just um, uh, passed away, uh, unfortunately, uh, due to throat cancer at the age of 83. And um, he's, he's going to be uh, terribly missed by the hockey community. You know, one of the, one of the 
you've you've shared you have shared with me some uh, some stories and some clips and so forth this this week and one of the things that has been talked about with him was uh, was one the stick fights he used to get into um, and interestingly enough if you go to our friend Bill Meltzer's Twitter timeline today he has some black and white photos of that stick fight that he got into with the flyers that Bernie Perrant recounted that story uh, in, in Eddie's recent book that had come out. Uh, so Bill Meltzer's got some great uh, black and white photos of Eddie Shack and, and some of the dust ups that he had <laughs> with the broad street bullies. Um, but yes. Uh, and speaking of our friends, Patrick Williams has uh, taken a, a clip out of the paper um, that uh, um it's it's an amusing story. Uh, there's uh, Jack Adams was uh, near uh, the Jack Adams was near uh, the, the bench and was giving it to to Eddie Shack uh, the entire night, and uh, mostly about Eddie's uh, lack of education. And it's well documented that he was already out and working by the age of thirteen. Never did uh, well at least at that point hadn't learned to read and write. And uh, so some some interesting slurs were being mentioned. And uh, well, then Eddie Shack went out and scored a goal. And he, he on the way back to the bench, uh, he stopped and looked at Jack Adams and, and said, Score, S-C-O-R-E. <laughs> That'll learn you. That'll learn you. Um, our condolences to, to his family uh, and... and uh Remembrance of Eddie Shack this week. Speaking of remembrances, we've talked uh, quite a bit over the last couple of months about the uh, tragic passing of Colby Cave earlier this year from a from a brain bleed. Uh, he passed away back in April, and we've talked about uh, his wife's uh, detailing of of what she went through uh, and how suddenly everything happened. And we've talked about the foundation that that has been started in his name and so forth. And just wanted to to make mention that the Edmonton Oilers did something very remarkable this past weekend to honor Colby Cave. Um, their last scrimmage of training camp before they left, um, well, not leaving, they're already in their hub city, but before their last scrimmage of training camp, um, every player wore number 12, in honor of Colby Cave, um, and the jerseys from that scrimmage are going to be auctioned off uh, with all of the proceeds going to the Colby Cave Memorial Fund. Um, and I, I just thought that was a, a tremendous gesture by the Oilers. Uh, they have multiple members of the organization and the team have said during media availabilities uh, this past week that they're um, they're thinking about Colby, that it was it was weird to come together as a team for the first time since he had passed because there hadn't been the ability to get together for a funeral and things of that nature. So coming to training camp was the first time they were all together since he had passed. And that was a, a bit of an emotional moment for the team and, and uh, just really special for them to commemorate him in this way. One of the last conversations Colby Cave had was uh, receiving the news that he was going to be one of the black aces for the Edmonton Oilers. And, um, and so this was, was quite appropriate, um, that he was remembered, uh, at the scrimmage, uh, and that, that, 
the Colby Cave Memorial Fund um, was uh, the, the the money was raised uh, that to go there, and that fund uh, goes towards uh, community programs with an emphasis on mental health and also to provide access to sports for underprivileged children. And that fund is managed by um, his wife, Emily. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, this, is, this uh, fund has is, is also been uh, important uh, to give her a purpose uh, and to help her uh, with her um, healing through this, this time of grief. Absolutely. So, um, again, we, we remember Colby Cave, but... Uh, stick tap to the Edmonton Oilers for continuing their uh, commitment to keeping him alive in memory and to honoring him and to assisting Emily with her fundraising efforts for, for his memorial fund. So tomorrow we're all going to be watching hockey. It's, it's, it's pretty spectacular. It's pretty mind boggling that we've gotten here. It's been four it, it's. I want to say it's been four long months, but at the same time, it feels like it's been two weeks. It's. It's just. It's flown by, but it's drug on as well. Um, and it's an unprecedented time. It will be an amazing thing to to tell kids and grandkids about uh, in years to come about the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, but the one thing that is also going to be very different and and. Um, Doug Gallivan actually touched on this in his interview earlier in the show, and we just wanted to kind of, kind of put a period on it and and offer some some of our perspective as well. It's a it's a topic that's been a pretty hot topic around uh, the media types for the last week, and that is media access inside the bubble. Um, you know, it's very few uh, journalists are allowed to be there on site. Well, and in fact, JF Shimon talked a bit about, uh, you know, his experience as well, that the only time that they will be able to watch things live are during the actual games. But there is no, there are no one-on-one interviews. There are no in-person scrums. Everything's going to be done virtually like it has been throughout training camp. Um, but moreover, Rick, it's it's that um, the reporters who are there are team, a lot of times they are team reporters, um, or team media types, um, or NHL employees. And so there's going to be a, a, a noticeable angle, I want to say. <laughs> Maybe angle's not the right word, but there's going to be a noticeable uh, trajectory of the type of reporting that's going to come out of the bubble. And there's going to be a kind of a gaping hole of, of what's not going to be there. Well, we know this. This is this is the dream for Gary Bettman, for Jeff Molson, for Paul Wilson, uh, the the type of guys who love to manage the message and and uh, have done so uh, with a bit of an iron fist in the past. They don't have to this time. Uh, they manage the message completely, as uh, the the independence has has been taken out of it. Um, now there's, there's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to make things very difficult, uh, for those of us to report on, on the games. Um, as, as I mentioned and talked about with Douglas Galvan, it's, it's those informal conversations, uh, with the players, um, the, 
where you've built trust over a period of time and you're talking away, you're talking with mics down, you're, you're talking off the record, um, you know, much, and I've said this to our reporters, 85% of the kind of the conversations we have with players aren't reported and, and, uh, but it gives you a sense in the background and what's really going on and, and, all of that uh, will be taken out of the mix uh, for these uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, and that's going to affect the way uh, this series is reported. Um, and so, media, um, you know, uh, they they have a right to to complain about that. Um, there are also some, uh, you might call them dinosaurs. In the we all we see them in the in the press box. They're the ones who uh, go get their quotes, put together uh, a few connecting sentences in between those quotes, and that's the sum total of their reporting. Uh, so those guys are grumbling the loudest, it seems, mm-hmm. uh, because you know they don't they don't have much left. Um, so, uh, you know, I, the thing is, I, I understand why it's being done this way, and, and it has to be done this way for the protection of the players, uh, for the, the security of, of the bubble. Um, but fans should know it's going to affect the way uh, this, these series are reported. Absolutely. And as, as uh, Doug Elevan mentioned, we certainly hope this doesn't set a precedent for limiting and restricting access in future seasons uh, with with all hopes everything will go once once you know whether it's a vaccine or whatever we have whatever point we have to reach to which life can return to looking pseudo normal um, then we would certainly hope that traditional media access will return to how how it was um, so that we can continue to bring you those great stories behind the scenes and and really get a better on the ground, um, behind the bench kind of feeling of, of what's going on and, and be able to give you a better, more weighted, more weighted, more um, insight-filled uh, perspective of, of what's going on within a team. Um, I, I, I'll be the first to also say I, I hope it's not a precedent that we're setting for that, and I also hope we're not setting uh, a precedent for not having a dress code for players. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be yeah. the first to say that as well. I'm I'm firmly on the Lou Lamorello train on that. Um, you know, okay, give give them a break and whatever. You know, some of the teams are going to have you know coordinated polo shirts and that. Fine. Uh, next season, they better be back to come to the rink in suits. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, you know, they 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 need. I, I've I've always been a big proponent of you come to work dressed um, very well. Um, and dressed professionally, um, and and I, I've always appreciated that hockey is one of the sports uh, that does that does enforce that. Um, so we will see. You know, you'll get honest reporting from us uh, throughout this whole series and throughout these playoffs, uh, and we will do our best to bring you uh, the stories as they happen. And we just appreciate that you're here to listen every week and uh, and clicking onto the websites. Uh, to follow our coverage there as well. So our feel-good finale for this week uh, is really just sports. Sports, they're back. Um, Before the Marlins had to go and ruin it, I was really happy that baseball was back, (laughs) but but that turned into a not-so-feel-good moment. So uh, we'll just say, you know, sports in general, um, you know, it's it's, hockey is back, uh, and that feels pretty good. A uh, little wary, 
and hope everyone stays safe. But uh, just just very excited to have um, have some hockey to cover. And uh, as as our friend and one of my teammates, uh, Mike Rashel, said today in our in our group chat when it showed up that there's there's a, an event on the calendar for tomorrow. He said an event. There's an event, <laughs> and we said, "Whoa, what's that?" <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty tremendous that uh, hockey is back. So we'll raise a glass, a single malt, on this uh, National Scotch Whiskey Day to the return of the restart of hockey. That's right, and to good health to all. So thank you so much for joining us for this special Monday night preview of the NHL Return to Play. Enjoy every minute of hockey you're able to take in this week. Uh, share this podcast with your friends. Be sure to retweet it, share it. We would love to spread the word to all of the hockey community to listen in. Uh, and be sure you give our guests a follow as well. And uh, be sure you come back here next Tuesday. We'll be back on our regular day and time next week. So next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy hockey. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.